Welcome to the IT Woodworker Podcast, where we discuss business and IT topics. I also include a woodworking project every once in a while, which is something that helps me keep my sanity in this fast-paced business we work in. If you enjoy the podcast, please like it, subscribe to it, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the IT Woodworker. I'm Chris Kousalis, and I am joined with a returning guest, Khalil Hicks. Khalil, welcome back. It's good to have you. Oh, yes, definitely. Great to be back, Chris. You're, you're our first returning guest, so I'm very excited. So, um, and, and for those of you who haven't heard the last podcast that we had with Khalil, he is the founder and CEO of Black Palm, which specializes in pen testing, vulnerability testing, and web application security. So, He's, he's come back and he's promised that today he's going to uh, tell us about seven investments that can be mo made by an organization to improve their cybersecurity posture. And, and this is the part that's, uh, I don't know if it's exciting to me or scary to me as a salesperson though, but he says uh, these investments can be made with little to almost no costs. So Khalil, it's time to wow me. So I, I, wanna, I wanna hear how this works. Oh, the pressure, the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no problem. I just want to briefly uh, mention about seven things that an organization, no matter what size they are, uh, can do to increase uh, cybersecurity posture with little to no cost. Okay. So the first one that I'll start out with is adopting a cybersecurity framework. So there's plenty of framework, frameworks out there um, the most notable may be NIST cybersecurity framework or NIST CSF. Uh, this is probably the most important, important investment as it relates directly to the other items that I will be listing today. Okay. So just to start with the cybersecurity framework, um, it, again, it will help you develop the cyber policies, plans and procedures, such as your incident response plans, uh, this basically runs through how to respond to an incident, a security incident when it does happen. So you're identifying, you know, roles and responsibilities and all of the procedures that go along with the incident response plan. So is incident response like the number two or is it wrapped up in number one still? That's still wrapped up in the uh, cybersecurity framework because it will okay. go through and help you develop these policies and controls. Gotcha. Um, the second most important thing I have on my list here is to con conduct vulnerability scans. Uh, the last time I was on the uh, podcast, we talked about vulnerability scans uh, and how you can uh, use vulnerability scans to complement your pen penetration testing. Mm -hmm. So con conducting vulnerability scans uh, can be done with free or open source uh, scanners out there. Uh, so this is very little cost as it's you know open source. Um, if you do have a large organization, um, you can also use, you know, free or open source vulnerability scanners within the cloud environment. Uh, just set a, a virtual machine up in the cloud, uh, deploy the open source vulnerability scanner and have it periodically scan uh, all of your external assets. Okay, nice. All right, moving on to the third uh, item on my list. This is an important one as well. Adopt a strong uh, password policy. Uh, this is the game. Wait, one, one, two, three password isn't. Wait a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> if I knew this was going to be the. Come on. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Go ahead. 
Absolutely not. So <laughs> this is, <laughs> you know, passwords and authentication is the, the gateway or the front door into uh, most organizations, whether you're VPN uh, access to your organization or you're logging into a um, web application. A strong password policy includes, you know, multi-factor. You want to block uh, common passwords that are usually found in password repositories. Uh, a big finding that we normally have on penetration tests is users using uh, the season and year format for their passwords. Like right now, we're we're getting to <clears throat> almost almost the winter season, so we'll see a lot of winter 2022s. I, I gotta go change my password. I'm, I'm gonna be right back. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> so e even if you uh, utilize third-party web applications, most um, uh, applications have options to enable uh, two-factor and, and block out these these common passwords. Nice. All right, quickly moving on uh, to item number four on my list. Tagging external emails. So what do I mean by this? Um, most companies are implementing a policy where it will mark or label uh, emails coming in from external senders. Uh, this can help with uh, cybersecurity awareness and uh, mitigating against phishing attempts. If you uh, set your email provider or email server to, to mark these uh, emails as external. That just lets you know that, hey, I should be aware of what I'm clicking on within the email, any images or links. That's that's interesting because I've noticed that over the last 18 months that we, I mean, has that gotten hot like over that point in time or did we just decide that? Because I always thought it was external people sending those to me that it was saying, hey, this is <laughs> external. So I guess I'm that guy who gets hacked all the time. <laughs> so this, that's just interesting that I've seen this now. Yes, yeah. So this this became a hot topic because phishing was maybe one of the most important or critical uh, attack vectors uh, most companies were faced with, and they had to find ways to defend against it. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, simply marking these emails is, you know, it's not going to prevent the, the emails from coming in, but it just provides a way of awareness. And I and I do look at that header now too to to know to to be. Uh... A little bit more conscious of clicking on anything when it's from an outside sender so it, it's it's at least it's working for me so and that that says a lot so yeah nice. absolutely that's one thing that we recommend if you know organizations are not doing that now uh, go ahead it, it takes uh you know five minutes to, to enable in most cases mm -hmm. especially if you're using a provider like google or, or outlook sure sure nice all right number five on the list is full disencryption so full disencryption uh, basically protects against confidentiality and integrity of the hard disk within your, your laptop or even workstations or servers. Uh, so most, most operating systems or modern operating systems have this feature to enable full disencryption. This prevents theft of data in the event that you, know, you leave your laptop in the car and someone breaks into your car and, and steals your your laptop, they can't just boot it up and get access to uh, you know Windows or whatever operating system and the underlying file system under it. Mm -hmm. So, yes, that is a important 
um, feature to to enable to protect against you know company information or confidential information. Uh, is that is that with so if it's if it's not a company um, if somebody's br uh, bring your own device you can still have the data on that device as long as they're accessing corporate uh, servers right? Correct. Yep. Uh, there's there's ways with bring your own device where it will only encrypt like a a partition or piece of data that um, or piece of the hard disk that contains company or confidential information. Okay. It won't delete your your pictures or anything like that. So that was a big thing with uh, bring your own devices. Uh, you know, employees were concerned that that would happen. It would affect their own personal information. Okay, Correct. gotcha. Mm -hmm. All right, so Windows makes this easy for you. BitLocker is uh, the built-in full disk encryption tool uh, or software that they use. Uh, with Macs, I believe it's File Vault, and Ubuntu also has a full disk encryption feature. I believe it's called Lux. L-U-K-S. And they're all included. So again, you know, no cost as long as you bought the the systems to begin with. So correct. Yeah. Okay. So next to last on my list is enabling automated updates. Uh, during our pen penetration testing, we come across a lot of uh, software and operating systems that are out of date or missing patches. So we, uh, we recommend enabling automated updates to, to relieve the manpower uh, and overhead of ma manually managing updates on end user systems. So, uh, it's quick and easy. Uh, just go into Windows. Uh, you can use the search feature to type in uh, Windows update settings to enable this. Is this the message that I get that says your organization is uh, requiring you to restart your computer to install updates? Is that what enabling? Yes, auto correct. Is? Okay, gotcha. That's usually pushed down by a group policy. Um, that way it's easy to, to uh, automatically manage a bunch of workstations, but it's simply you know, flipping the switch and, and setting that setting. Okay. All right, and last on my list um, is asset inventory and management. So not everything has to be technical in nature. This is basically the foundation for patch management. Uh, knowing what you have and where it's at, what software is running, uh, is very critical in uh, maintaining a strong security posture. Uh, asset inventory and management can help you define and categorize your uh, critical systems and most critical functions. Just knowing where to look or where this system may be living. It may be in a data center somewhere in Iowa mm -hmm. that you don't know about. So it's good to at least you know have that call back to a centralized uh, location. Sure. And does that help too? And maybe I'm uh, uh, just in you know research I've done and you know people I've talked to to the asset inventory and management helps you understand when something else is on your network that you don't recognize. Is that another yeah. piece of it? Yes, absolutely. You hit it on the head. So asset inventory can help you you know identify rogue systems, shadow IT, uh, and also it helps you you know, figure out which systems deviate from your global baseline configuration. So most companies, they they create a uh, system configuration that is standard mm -hmm. that they deploy and having asset inventory and management, you can see systems that, you know, deviate from this this baseline 
And that can help you with your patch management or missing software or software that shouldn't be there. You can go out and, and remove it. So is that an enablement of it? Or so what do you do with Are You're just employing an asset inventory management system. Yeah, so some uh, endpoint detection and response uh, solutions have this feature as a plugin or an add-in where you can basically manage your inventory and software from a centralized management console. So if you mm -hmm. see a user has potentially suspicious software, you can go in there and, and into the management console and have it delete that software. Huh, nice. Oh. Yeah, and and I'm sure that this kind of falls in the same line. My organization only has specific software that we can go out and grab and download onto our systems if we need it, but they just they won't give me like user rights to download everything I want. So, and that's probably all for the better. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that could have been another thing that I could have uh, could have added to my list is you know restricting permissions and, and admin rights. But you know these are just some high level things that a organization of all sizes can can do to uh, increase cybersecurity. Well, this 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 was helpful. Now you're taking away from my sales job trying to sell stuff since it's free. But I want I just want to run through these seven things again here, just so we kind of um, hit them on the head and make sure I get them. So the first one was adopt a cybersecurity framework. Um, you know we use uh, CIS. You um, you know mentioned NIST in here. Uh, number two was conduct a, a vulnerability scans, and you said there's a lot of tools out there, open source and free, to to run these. Uh, number three was you know adopt a strong pass password policy, which I need to go change my password after we get off the phone here um, or after the call here. Uh, number four was tagging external emails, and then that helps uh, the, the users understand when that email comes in, it's not from somebody within or the organization, so they should. And, you know, I've, I noticed that, so, you know, it's working because I'm one of those people who've had to take the uh, the test when I've clicked on suspicious links that were set up to get me to click on. So it's been working. It's been working. Um, number five was full disk encryption, and that's so that if somebody uh, you know scams your device or gets in uh, gets a hold of your device, they can't get any of the information because it's all encrypted. Number six was enable automatic updates so that you know that takes away the burden from the from the staff to continually go out there and and push the updates that are coming automatically, and you know you restart your computer. And then number seven was an asset inventory and management system. Get that set up so that you know your software and your hardware. And then, and then what was the number eight that you said you, you could have included too? <laughs> uh, just, you know, restricting uh, privileged rights from, from users. Not everyone needs to be an admin on their machine. <laughs> you, you have to, you know, kind of save them from themselves. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that is definitely something that they've done to save save me for myself. And now we've we just given everybody a bonus. We said there was only going to be seven, um, but there was eight. So, uh, Khalil, this was helpful. Uh, any parting words of uh, wisdom before we uh, move on? No, I, I just want to say, you know, these are simple, easy things. Uh, you don't have to spend a lot of money to to be secure. You know, there's a lot of different resources out there for businesses of uh, all sizes. And, you know, they say that like 90% of, of, you know, hacks and ransomware is, is attributed to, you know, known vulnerabilities. Now, we're not talking about known vulnerabilities here, but we're talking about some pretty simple things that if you just implement, you know, 
if you implement all of them, it would be incredible, but just a handful of them is still going to bring you up tremendously within where you're at today, most organizations. Is that is that an accurate statement? Yes, absolutely. You know, the password thing is, is huge. You know, we, we hear about, you know, people uh, getting their passwords compromised all the time in these big companies. So, yeah, easy, easy things to implement. Excellent. Well, I'm excited to have you on for the third time too. So I'm going to think of some way I can drag you on here. And and I see that when well, I don't know if everybody knows, but you're down in warm, sunny um, Florida, and I'm in co cold northern Illinois. That's why I've got the uh, got to have the extra clothing on here. So I'm I'm envious. Maybe I'll come down there and we can do a we can do a podcast there. <laughs> come on down, Chris. <laughs> okay. Well, Khalil, it was a pleasure. Um, thanks, and uh, we'll connect again soon. Have a All great right. day. Thank you. You too.